Well, good morning. It is great to be with you all again. I just want to echo the same thing that I mentioned earlier. I, I'm just excited to be here, and I'm thankful to be here, and I'm grateful to, for you and your opportunity for me to come do this meeting, uh, to get my feet wet in that, uh, so to say, to jump off into the first one. Um, you know, it, you wouldn't think it'd be something you'd be a little nervous about it, but I'll tell you, this week I was building up with some nervousness just to let you know, and it's not that I think you all are scary or that I thought you were going to throw something at me if I did a bad job, but it's just I'm trying to give you God's words, and man, I just want to make sure it's right. And I'll just let you know I was nervous about it. And I hope that if I say something wrong in love, please come to me and tell me. I offer that right now to anyone here. Or if you have a comment or a question, uh, don't be surprised if I make some notes and I add it to the next time I do this somewhere. I am, I am sure we are smarter together than me by myself. So I appreciate any feedback you want to give me. But also, I appreciate the fact that you're a part of my family every month. You guys, if you, you probably all know this, but I'll just reiterate, you guys support me on a monthly basis, and I can't help but just say thank you because it's, it's the confidence that I know I'll be provided by the, for through the Lord, through you all, that I'm able to do what I'm doing now, and I just am greatly, greatly appreciative of that and just thank each and every one of you for that. Your friendship's precious to me, and I ask that you'll be praying for me for the start of this week, and after I leave here and am gone, be praying for me regularly. I can use all the prayers that you want to send my way. And I'm looking forward to building relationships with each of you more. Uh, you know, there are several here that I do text throughout the month and, and see from time to time and talk to, but, but a chance to just be with you like this is just wonderful, and I'm excited for it. But that's not what we're here for. Let's get to the lesson. So last hour, if you were up here in a, a, a that analogy a little bit and go to talking about a path more, but you do have to acknowledge there are sane people that jump out of perfectly good planes. And if they do that, they do not make it to the destination where that plane's landing. So I'll tell you now, as a, a child of God, if you jump off God's plane, you will not see heaven someday. But most of us will probably be smart enough to stay on the plane, hopefully. But we're going to start with the idea of how I know I'm going to heaven. How do I know I'm going to heaven? And last time... Staying on the walk, we talked about the steps of salvation, and I want to throw this up for just a brief moment, and you'll see this a little different image than the last time, because we have to remember, and it was brought up, and it was a great point even between the lesson, God's part of this plan was done already. He sent his son, he shed his blood, and the spirit revealed his word, and now we have to act on that plan to be saved. Because the Bible says this is the only way to heaven then we can be confident that we're going there if we've done this. You know, we describe this as getting on that airplane for a journey. If you are a baptized believer and you've gotten on that plane, if you've gotten on the path to heaven, you'll get there if you stay on the right path, just like the passenger on that plane or the hiker. As long as we do this, we will get there. But let me be clear before we move on with one point. If you have not been baptized, you will not be in heaven when you die. 
you are conscious of your sin. There's no way around it. He's not going to give you a pass in the end of time. If you want to be in heaven for eternity and you understand what that means, then you need to be baptized. And without that, I'm sorry, that may seem harsh, it may seem cold, but that's the truth of what the word is. So you have to get on the plane. You have to get on the path. We can talk about this together more, you know, but right now I'm going to keep going through this part of this lesson. But and I'd love this afternoon you want to talk? You know, I'll be in town. You want me to be down earlier some tomorrow or Wednesday? I'll be down even earlier. Tuesday I'm going to be here starting pretty early with Luke and getting a chance to goof off with him some and, and work too, right? Goof, I should have left the goof off part. But we're going to be together some. If you want to talk, let's talk. I look forward to that. But let's keep going forward here. That last step of the plan of salvation, that be faithful unto death. In Revelations 2.10, that's a that seems like a hard step. What does living faithfully mean? Does it mean we never ever sin again? Oh, how I wish that was the case. But I can tell you I have I have. It's just not true. Does it mean that you're saved no matter what you do and are going to heaven? I might wish that again, but no, that's not the truth. If that were true, then God is not just. Because a just God will repay sin. What the Bible says here is to live faithfully unto death. Okay, so now pause with me for a second and really let this comment sink in. It says live faithfully unto death, not perfectly. And we oftentimes get that confused and feel like we can't get it, do what we're supposed to do because we, we substitute that word. It's faithfully, not perfectly. We need to try our best, but there's a difference there because if we're counting on perfect, we will not make it even in the end. All right? So we have to keep that in mind. None of us are perfect. We're all going to sin, and it's just a sad fact that that happens. But we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. But right now, what I want you to realize that you have a choice in this. Just like you had a choice to be baptized or not, you now have the choice to keep following the Lord or not. We have free will. We have the option, as crazy as it is, to jump out of that perfectly good plane. Now, I'll tell on myself, I'd like to skydive, I think. I'm not sure. I may just ride up in a plane and ride back down by the time my nerves got over with it. But I'd like to think it'd be fun, but that's not the story either. But we have to stay on that plane. And I want all of us to choose to stay on the path of the plane. And I'm going to switch from the plane here soon. But, but that's an easy one to analogize to. But you know what? It's sad. Some people won't. There will be some of us in here that choose not to stay on the plane. And in my short... I, I like calling it short 27 years so I don't start feeling older. In my short 27 years of obeying the gospel and doing now what I'm doing, I have friends that were served as elders that are now lost. I have friends that were deacons that are now nowhere around the Lord's church anymore. I have friends that were members that no longer attend anymore. Unfortunately, people get off the plane. And it's a sad thing. We have to choose to stay on the plane. Hebrews 3.12 says, Take care, brethren, that there be not be 
in any of you all an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. The Hebrew writer here is admonishing us to be careful because we can fall away. We can choose to leave that path. You see, God is just, and he doesn't force us to stay on the path. He's not set up guide rails on the road that keep you there no matter what. He has given us that free will, and he wants our hearts, he wants us to choose him. So in Revelation 2, when it tells us to be faithful unto death, that means staying in Christ and growing in Christ every day of your life. We're going to look at that deeper is what we're going to do. Last hour we talked about repentance as a part of the process of becoming a Christian. And you absolutely have to do that. Acts 2.38 makes it abundantly clear. When you look at that in Acts 2.38 it says, Peter said to them, Repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We looked in depth at Romans 6, also last hour, and Paul teaches us there. And we're going to look at it again. These overlap a little bit because they build together. In Romans 6, 3 through 4, it tells us, Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. So that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. And then let's go forward just two more, uh, a few more verses in that same book. It says, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. Be pre but present yourself to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. All right, so when you, when we, when I was baptized, I, you, we made the decision to become a follower of Jesus. That means you have to be like him. You committed to it when you did that. And this is key to staying on the path towards heaven. We have to keep on walking in that repentance and changing ourselves to be more like him. It wasn't a one-time deal, repentance wasn't. It's making a course correction. You know, it's that GPS on the phone when we're driving somewhere and you hear recomputing, recomputing when you miss your off-ramp or you miss the turn or there's construction. And it's saying the shortest path to God is this way now. And that's what repentance is. Turn to Ephesians 4, 14 through 15. There's many passages that tell us to be like Christ. And that's what we're going to look at now. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about in every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitfulness, scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is head, even Christ. You know, these... these verses here tell us to grow up in all aspects of him we're not supposed to be like children we don't get baptized and stay put we have to grow up you know would any of us plant a garden if they just seeded and sprouted but never produced fruit you know, we have to grow to the point we become productive 
Let's go over to Colossians 1 also. Colossians 1, 9 through 12 says, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of the steadfastness in patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. And I love these verses because it literally tells us what Paul prays for in regards to the Christians in Colossae. He wanted them to be filled with knowledge and to bear fruit and to increase. Let's look at one more passage together. John 1, or I'm sorry, 1 John 2, 5 and 6. It says there, I need to pause. I hear pages turning. Thank you for that. But I put all my notes together in one, and I don't have that delay, and I need to remember that sometimes. 1 John 2, 5 through 6. But whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Walk in the same manner as he walked. So what do these verses tell us? We are to keep in Jesus. We are to keep in his word and walk and live the same way Jesus lived. That's a tall order when you think about it because he did it perfect. I'm having to muddle through it doing my way, trying to be like him, but he did it perfect. So it's a big order. But you know what? It's completely possible because God wouldn't tell us to do the impossible. Okay, so we've been baptized and we have the full confidence that God has forgiven us and we're on the way toward heaven on the path towards heaven, because we followed his plan. We're now living faithfully by repenting of sin and growing to be like Jesus. But what does that practically look like? That would be one of the questions. What does that practically look like? Well, I'll say it's simply said and not always simply done. Okay? I can tell you real easy, but I struggle doing this just as much. All right? We do our best to stop sinning, and we talk and think and live like Jesus. You have to try. That's a big part of it. You have to try. You have to stop saying bad language and replace it with wholesome words like Ephesians 4.29 tells us. You have to control your temper and be slow to anger the way James 1.19 admonishes us. And you have to be kind one to another, as commanded by Ephesians 4, 32. And you know that list can go on and on and on, but those are probably three of the big ones right there, just in my opinion. You have to apply what you read and learn in the Bible and do it. Not that I'm a big Nike fan, but 
their saying was catchy, just do it. You have to do it. That's what it is. You had to get on the plane. You have to do it. You know what you struggle with, though. You have to grow in it. You have to self-examine yourself and go, what do I need to work at? And it's not just enough to think this. You have to truly look at it and make adjustments. Growing in Christ means you have to try. And it may just be baby steps, small victories, okay? I don't care how small they are, but it's moving forward. It's not sliding back at all. You have to move forward to be more like him. All right? Baby steps. You know, if you've not, I'll just use, if you've never been in a habit of calling a brother every week to check on him, just start by making one phone call a week. You don't have to call the whole group. One's better than none. If you're one that's good at checking on people and you're calling a lot, then up it. You know, the thing that we have to remember is each of us have to start where we're at and go forward. So my same starting point will not be yours. Uh, I'll pick on Luke since we're both. My starting point as evangelist isn't Luke's starting point as evangelist and vice versa. What I'm saying or do up here isn't going to be exactly what he does. We're not meant to be cookie cutters of each other. We're all different parts meant to get the job done. But we know what we struggle with and we need to work on those areas of ourselves. That's being faithful until death. That's pressing until death. And if you're doing that, you can be confident you're going there. Remember that question I asked you last hour? You can say yes if you're living this way. And we'll come back to that again. But what happens as a baptized believer when I do sin and I'm trying to be like Jesus? Like I said earlier, sadly, we all sin. And we should try not to, of course. We need to work. We need to choose not to be sinful. But we're going to because it's part of being human. There's only one man that's ever lived this earth that did it perfectly. And we fail. Like I said, I know, I'll speak for myself. I fail more often than I'd like to admit. That hitting the mic made me remind Cody, sorry. I hope that didn't affect it. Um, yeah, I can definitely hear it now. John gives us comfort when we sin. Is that too loud? In John, 1 John 2, 1 through 3. Well, I think I've hit the button enough times that I've gotten off on my slides here. So, um, let me just get to a holding spot here. Yep. We were talking about that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to find where I lost it. Sorry, y'all. Alright. That's my next point. Alright. I just have one I must have lost in the, the travel of saving. So, let's go to 1 John 2, 1 through 3. 
1 John 2, 1, 2, 3. We'll, we'll act like it's the olden days during gospel meetings before this was going. I'll just have a, a, a set picture up there for a little bit. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but also for those of the whole world. By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Here's what that means. If we are in Christ in baptism, if we are following him every day of our life, when we sin, Jesus is there. These verses tell us that Jesus is our advocate. And it comes from the Greek word parakletos, and that means one called alongside to help. Boy, what a beautiful picture of that and comforting thought that is. He's called beside to help. And here's what that might look like when we die. And that's, I see what, I see where I caught up. Thank you. Sorry. This is what that might look like. You know, when we look at these two images, when we die and we stand before God, if we aren't covered in blood, He's not going to let us in. When we look at this first image of the doorpost, you know what's interesting about that? They were told to cover the doorpost, and we never read about the, the, the Spirit going in and checking who's in the thing, in the house. It was covered. The blood covered it. Now take it forward, and yes, I know this is just a movie and it's the, the passion, but uh, it's hard to find an image to represent this. But we really should look like this when we stand before God someday because we've been covered in the blood of Jesus through baptism. And when He looks at us, if we aren't covered in blood like that, He's not going to let us in because the payment of sin has not been made. And it wasn't by us, it was by His Son. But that blood has to be covering us. It's a little gruesome to look at, and I'm sorry, but please keep this in mind as we think about staying on the path. Look at Hebrews 9, 11 through 14. It says, But when Christ appeared as high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of the creation, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood, he entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats, goats and bulls, and the ashes of heifer sprinklings, those who have been defiled sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? That's what the Father sees now. Not a perfect person who has lived perfectly. And just as he died, said a perfect prayer to ask forgiveness. God sees an imperfect person who has chosen to follow him and who, whose penalty has been paid for by Christ through his death and blood. Do we get that? I mean, that's just amazing when you think about it. To be able to rest in the promise of the Lord 
You do your part by becoming baptized and a believer and living faithfully. And Jesus did his part to cover you and let you be with him. And that's grace. Grace is that unmerited divine assistance that will cover our incredible deficiencies. His grace, in the end, it's going to be about His grace letting us through. But if He doesn't see us covered in that blood, we will have no hope. He'll say, depart. Let's look at 2 Timothy 1, 9. There it says, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus for all eternity. That verse tells us grace was granted to us through Jesus. All right, so let's kind of wrap this up with a couple more verses. And these verses are powerful verses, and they'll give you comfort when you think about them and consider them. The next is Titus 2, 11 through 14. Titus 2, 11 through 14. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearance of the glory of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds." That little bit of a verse, it's just a small fragment, but it always makes me stumble a little bit in my own mind in thinking that he did this to make a people for his own possession. God wants us. That is a big thought in itself that could be a whole sermon. But to think about that, God wants you. He wants me. He wants us. And he wanted us so much, it's through his son that this takes place. You know, those verses say it all, though. It gives us a bit of a checklist, not that we're going to be saved by a checklist, but it does give us a little bit of a checklist. It tells us to deny ungodliness. It tells us to deny worldly desires. It tells us to live sensibly. It tells us to live righteously. And it tells us to live godly. You know, Jesus wants us to repent of our sinful ways and to grow and to live right with Him. And if we do these things, we can have that blessed hope because He has purified us through His sacrifice. Again, it's all about what He's done when it comes down to this. But we can have a true hope in that because of this. When we were in back before this started, we talked a little bit about maybe if I get long, seeing a uh, hey, cut it off thing, and that was all joking, so it was no. But I get that, and I told him the only two times I've ever preached where I went long, I've told him up front, this is going to be a long one. We're about to the end, folks. To sum this up, you have to get on a path towards heaven, people. And if you are, great. If you are not, I urge anyone in here that's not on the path to 
consider it this morning. And I don't know. I, I'm looking at, around at a lot of pleasant faces and smiles and people, and I'm not trying to single anyone out because I don't know if you have or have not. But if you have not, I urge you to truly consider getting on the path to heaven. But if you're here and you're a repentant believer and you've got sin in your life, I, I, I want you to consider, too, that you need to repent. And stay on that path towards heaven. Don't jump out of that plane. Don't jump off the path. We, uh, we had a, uh, a state park and I've hiked a lot of places. And a long time ago I was a, a fireman and we were in the rescue squad. And sometimes you would go into these state parks and you'd look over the cliff and you'd just have to wonder how someone got off the path that far. But boy, we do it in our spiritual lives all the time. And we'd have to make these crazy outlandish rigs to be able to get over there and get those people up and get them to safety. And if they just stayed on the path, <laughs> how much better it would have been. I'm telling you, it's that way for us people spiritually. If you are a believer, if you are a, a, a child of God, I'm telling you, it's so much easier to stay on the path than try to find your way back. Stay on the path. And if something's pushed you off the path a little bit, repent of it. Get in the right spot where you need to be. Well, you have to grow and be like Christ every day. You have to keep pressing. And finally, when you die, God will know these things. He'll see that you're covered in His Son's blood. And you will reach your destination, heaven, with Him for eternity. How exciting. Get excited. You know, this should be what makes us look differently. When you see, you know, I don't know if it's the same stats here, but the world looks bleak up in Nicholasville. Things are happening all the time. Murders, suicides, things going on. Because people have no hope. But I can walk through that city trying to share what I know and trying to be what I should and be happy because I know where I'm going. But those people that are doing that have no hope. Get excited about it. Show some of God's light. Reflect off you. Well, if you can't say, yes, you're on the path, I encourage you to change what you need to to be on the path. Here in just a few moments, we're going to be leading a, an invitation song. And where you stand today is you're either on the path You've gotten on the path or you need to start the walk. And this time in our service, if you're visiting or you're here, is exactly for that very reason. Is to fix what's in the way of you and the great God of heaven. And to get rid of whatever that is. By living faithfully, repenting of sins, and trying harder each day. Resting in the fact that you know you'll never be perfect, but you'll always be growing and that God's grace is there for you if you'll do what he's asked. So, you know, I always like to uh, end with a challenge for, the, for my lessons. And, and, you know, sometimes I say it's today's challenge, sometimes it's this week's challenge. But the more and more I've been pondering this as I've been doing this, I realize it really should just say life's challenge because all these things that I'm challenging myself and others to do is something we need to do from now until the Lord comes again. But 
as we start this week, our challenge is to live in a way that we remember Romans 8.1. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Your challenge is to know that you're in Christ Jesus this week. And if you're sitting there now examining yourself and you realize you're not, then fix it. I, I plead with you to fix it. Change what you need to do to be in Him. And then the rest of the challenge is that you would get in Him, that you would stay in Him, and that you would go home to Him for eternity. Let me wrap up the lesson this morning with how we started that. And you may, if you want. But now if I ask that same question I started with at class. By a show of hands, who knows they're going to heaven? Are there more that would pop up? They're coming up. Let me, let me do that too. <laughs> we should be confident in that, good people. We should live in a way that it shows others that we're confident in it. And it's not because we're keeping it to ourselves. It's because we want to share it with them so that they know. So this week, get in Him, stay in Him, go home to Him. And share that with people you cross paths with during this gospel meeting this week. Invite them. Be excited about it. And I appreciate and I look forward to, to being with you guys this week. So now we're going to have that invitation song. And if we can help in some way, please come forward as we stand and sing.